Hello, and welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. My name is James Early. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each week, we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual lessons of God's love for each one of us and how to live that love in our daily lives. The goal is to get back to the original Christianity of Jesus with his focus on healing and salvation and his message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's jump right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This is episode number three. Today's topic is praying with the mindset of Christ. So I've got a question for you as we jump into this. Have you ever felt like you wish you could pray more effectively? I mean, sometimes we wonder if God even hears our prayers or if we're praying the right way or we don't know what to pray for or how to pray Well, today's episode, I hope, is going to help give you some ideas about how to pray more effectively. So let's jump right in. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, he's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. He says, we have the mind of Christ. Yeah, what does that even mean? We have the mind of Christ. I mean, if it was true for the Corinthians, then it's true for us as well. Um, Now, before we get all puffed up thinking we're as smart as Jesus— I think we have to look at the context of what Paul is getting at. Just before he makes this big assertion that we have the mind of Christ, he's talking about judging. And he says that the material-minded folks, which is true back then, is true today, they can't discern spiritual things. But the spiritually-minded are able to discern and judge between right and wrong. And then he quotes from Isaiah 40, 13, and says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? And then that's when he adds, but we have the mind of Christ. So if we have the mind of Christ, wouldn't we be able to know the mind of the Lord? Well, yeah, but not with the intent or the ability to tell him what to do. Did Jesus ever tell God what to do? No, he did what God told him. Then for us to have the mind of Christ, we can't tell God what to do. We have to do what he tells us. Jesus said things like, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. As I hear from God. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. That's from John 5.30. Are we really following Jesus' example on this? I don't know. It's hard sometimes to put aside completely your own will and do just what God wants you to. But this is the mindset of Jesus. I think one of the key factors of having the mind of Christ and the mindset that Jesus thought with is realizing that you can't do anything without God's help. Another one is doing not what you want, but what he wants. You know, not my will, but thine be done. And of course, that is easier said than done. I mean, really, we all know that. We love to quote the verse of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. But you know, it's hard to, to do that. Even Jesus struggled. It was hard for him. He had to give up completely any idea except what God wanted. Fortunately, he showed us the victory can be won, and so we know we can win it too. 
Now, think about this a little deeper. When you realize that you can't do anything without God's help, and you are seeking earnestly to do God's will instead of your own will, these are really the first two steps to having the mind of Christ, having the mindset that Jesus did. But you know, you can't just push a button and say, oh, I'm going to be more like Jesus. It's a daily discipline of faith and love and practicing what you know you're supposed to do every day in your life. But you know, there's really more to uh, having the mind of Christ. And there's so much more. I've got a, a bunch of ideas I'm going to share in just a little bit. But one other key factor is it's about the relationship that Jesus had with his father. Uh, just think about how Jesus thought and think about how he saw things and what perspective did he look at the world from. If we really want to follow him, we have to see and think and pray and act like he did with his mindset. From We have to look at things from the perspective that he was. So here's the question. Why did Jesus say he couldn't do anything without God's help? We just talked about that. Why did he resign his will to God's will? Because he knew who God was, and he knew who he was, and he knew his relationship with God as his Father, as his source. Jesus did not just believe in his Father. He knew him. It was a conscious Father-Son relationship. He knew he could never be separated from the Father, and that the Father could never be separated from him. He said, and we love to quote this, John 10:30, I and my Father are one. If you want to have the mindset of Jesus, you have to know God instead of just believe in him. And the cool thing is, Jesus has shown us this is possible. In fact, Jesus wants us to have the same oneness with God, the same awareness of our relationship with our Heavenly Father that he did. Think of those prayers that he uttered there before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is in John chapter 17, verse 21. He was praying for everyone that would ever believe on him throughout all time. And he said, this was his prayer, that they all, all of us, all believers in all time to come, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That's from the King James. I love the King James. I love lots of translations. Anyway, I mean, this is amazing. Jesus prayed for you and me to understand our oneness, our unity, our relationship with the Father and with himself. His prayers for us are not in vain. Jesus' prayers were always answered. So that means that you and I are one with the Father and with Christ. If you ever feel far away from God, just remember, Jesus has prayed for you to feel your closeness, your relationship with God. Now, here's another thought. When you are praying, you're praying to the same God that Jesus did. You have the same Father that Jesus does. And when you nurture this relationship in your heart, you'll increasingly have the mindset of Jesus and pray with the mind of Christ. Because Jesus knew his inseparable relationship with the Father, he was absolutely certain that God would always hear his prayers. Just think about the consequences of knowing your unbroken relationship with God. You're conscious of how much he loves you and how much you love him and that he will always hear your prayers. This is how Jesus felt. He says, just before he's about to call Lazarus out of the tomb, 
this is not some little thing. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. But Jesus knows what he's going to do. He's going to raise him from the dead and bring him out of the tomb. But here's what he says so that everyone can hear him. Father, he's praying to God. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. What a sense of confidence. It's back to that conscious awareness of his relationship with his father. When we know our relationship with God, we know that he always hears and answers our prayers. When you're seeking God's will instead of your own, you won't be praying for things you shouldn't. And it should be no surprise that God's going to answer those prayers probably more readily than some other things that we might pray for. This kind of relationship that Jesus had with the Father, it's all about trust and love. Jesus didn't have a blind faith that God would answer his prayer. He knew it from a deep trust and confidence in God. And you know what? You and I can have that very same awareness because we do have the mind of Christ. So here's a question for you. When you look at the world, what do you see? What you see depends on what lens you look through. If you look through gray or green tinted sunglasses, everything is going to look gray or green. Have you ever walked past one of those walls of glass bricks and you look through it on what's on the other side? Everything is distorted. Sometimes you can see some sort of semblance of something that's on the other side. Sometimes it's so warped, you can't even tell what's over there. The lens that we look at life through affects what we see, or how we see it, I should say. If you look at someone, let's say, through the lens of anger, you're going to see something different than if you look through the lens of forgiveness. Fill in the blank with anything. You're going to see things differently when you're looking through a different lens. So Jesus had a completely different way of looking at things, a completely different lens to look through than we usually do. It, it was this radical concept that propelled everything he did and said. In fact, from the very moment he began his public ministry, he shared this radical lens with us, he, this radical concept with us. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's from Matthew 4, 17. This is the way Jesus saw the world. His awareness that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's really the spiritual lens he looked through as he talked to people, as he ministered to them, and as he healed them. And to the degree that you can bear witness spiritually to the fact that this kingdom of heaven is actually here and now, as Jesus promised us it was, you're going to be able to live your life more closely to the way Jesus lived. You'll see what he saw. You'll love as he loved. You're going to pray like he prayed, and you will heal as he healed. Now, in last week's podcast, episode number two, I went into a whole lot more detail about this whole concept that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if you missed that or if you'd like to review it, I'll put the link to that episode in the show notes for today. We have the mind of Christ. It's a promise, but we have to accept it. Right now, in the kingdom of heaven, take a minute. Let's just take a minute and realize that spiritually, I'm not talking about humanly from Earth's perspective. Gosh, there's so many problems going on. In my life, too, okay? I'm not trying to, this is not some la-la land off in the clouds. I'm trying to talk about what's going on spiritually. Right now, in the kingdom of heaven that is at hand, where God is supreme, you know you can't do anything without God's help. 
You rejoice to have resigned your will to his will. You know your relationship with God. You know he always hears and answers your prayers and has already provided everything you need. And you are completely conscious that God's kingdom is here and now, that God is absolutely supreme every moment. How is this attitude going to change the way you pray and the way you think, how you treat others, how you see yourself? I think those are some of the important questions we have to ask ourselves. You know, Paul said, okay, we've said this several times. Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. Well, the implication is if we have it, we have to use it. I've been thinking a lot about what this really means. What was the mind of Christ? How can we use this mind? How can we think and act more like Jesus did? And I think it's interesting Paul says we. It's not a personal possession. It's a collective awareness. Together we have this mind. It's, it's this powerful collective awareness that God gives to all of us who accept Christ, not just in word, but accept him in spirit. If all Christians only acted and thought and prayed with the mind of Christ instead of their own will, their own little mind, what a difference that would make in the world. Things would change immediately. But as I've said before, it's not enough just to know that this is true. We have to use this mind of Christ. We have to follow Jesus' example. And, you know, we have to submit to it. We have to let it wash over us. We have to give up our own personal agenda and preconceptions of how things have to work out. We have to trust God more and ourselves less. So I'm going to share kind of a bullet list with you of some points that I have been thinking about. And it's not a complete list, probably. I keep finding things in the Bible that, oh, that's another thing the way that Jesus thought. So to me, this is a starter kit sort of of how to have the mindset of Jesus. Some of these I've already mentioned. And if you have any others that you'd like to add, go to the um, podcast page on my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. This is episode three, and you can leave it in the comments section on the show notes page. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And by the way, I'm going to make a PDF of these points so that you can download and print it, and you'll find that on the show notes page as well. Okay, here we go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We already talked about that, chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 17. The kingdom of God is within you, Luke 17, 21. I can of mine own self do nothing, John 5, 30. Jesus submitted to God's will. He said, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me, John 5, 30. Not my will, but thine be done, Luke 22, 42. That's sort of the same thing. Here's another important point. Jesus always looked for receptive hearts to share his message with, whether they were Pharisees, social and religious outcasts, or even foreigners whom Jews were not even supposed to talk to. He went to where there was receptivity. He loved righteousness and hated iniquity, Hebrews 1, 9. He rebuked evil and especially hypocrisy. But he was merciful to sinners, especially when they were repentant. He didn't take the bait of critics and naysayers. He was silent in the face of evil's attempts to destroy him. He didn't react or tried to defend himself. He knew God, always heard his prayers. We talked about that, John 11, 41 and 42. He knew his relationship to the Father. We talked about that, John 10, 30. Here's one that's really important. 
He was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes as sheep without a shepherd. Mark 6:34. Are you moved with compassion when you see the multitudes or are you moved with frustration or judgmentalness? How are you moved when you see the multitudes that need help? He acted with divine authority and power instead of his own personal abilities. For I have not spoken of myself. John 12:49. He only said what God told him to. The Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. John 12:49. He did not leave his followers without help when he was no longer with them. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 14:26. He practiced what he preached. He got up early to pray and sometimes prayed all night. Mark 1.35 and Luke 6.12. He looked beyond the outward appearance of things all the way back to the original innocence and purity of man. He was not intimidated when someone was diseased, sinning, or even dead. John 9.3 and John chapter 11. He saw the big picture and looked way down the future. He prayed not just for his immediate disciples, but for all who would ever believe on him through their preaching. John 17.20. Here's an interesting one. He rarely answered a direct question. He listened for the question behind the question. He spoke in parables and metaphors so people could could begin to understand what he was really trying to say to them. He walked the extra mile with his listeners and disciples and was patient with them. It's not that he dumbed down his message, but he broke the bread of truth into bite-sized pieces so people could accept it, chew on it, and digest it. He knew the scriptures, he taught the scriptures, he preached the scriptures, and most importantly, he lived the scriptures. And I'm going to end with this one, which is so important. He loved little children, their innocence and their purity and their receptivity. Why? Because of such is the kingdom of heaven. He didn't see them as miserable sinners. He saw them as God's dear children. So that's just a a short list I'm sure there are some other things. Uh, I'll probably think of something uh, later tonight that I could have put on there, but that's it for now, really. I hope you'll join me in making a sincere effort to imbibe the mind and spirit of Christ in all that you think and say and do. And you know what? Maybe just one minute at a time. Just do it for one minute. and Then work up to two minutes. Um, You know, the world is going to come in and distract you, and it happens to me all the time. I'm not perfect at this, but... It's a place to start, and you can instantly, just as you can, if you're walking the wrong direction down the street, you can instantly turn around and go the other direction. When we catch ourselves, we can instantly start looking at things from the perspective of what's true in the kingdom of heaven, and that will give us the mindset of Christ. Here's just one thought I want to leave you with. Give yourself credit for the good you're already doing. You're probably following Jesus much better then you will admit, because if your heart is really in the right place trying to follow Jesus, that's a really big first step. And so give yourself a little credit for that. I think we'll close with that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you have a friend that might enjoy this message, please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a wonderful, blessed week.